Hey, young adults, welcome back to another episode of Young and Adulting. I am so excited for you to hear today's conversation. Pastor Tyler and I got to sit down with a girl named Caitlin Caffrey. She's a pastor at Life Church in Oklahoma, and she works with some of their next gen ministries. And we got to have a conversation about a lot of things, but primarily about just getting good at relationship. We talk about season of singleness and the purpose and the gift that is in that. We talk about the art form of asking great questions and really just learning how to care for people well. She challenges us. She gives us some great reminders. So I'm excited for you to hear our conversation with Caitlin Caffrey. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to Young and Adulting, a podcast of the Young Adults community at Christ Fellowship Church. Our hope is to create a safe place for authentic conversation around the ins and outs of life as we all try to navigate following Jesus in the world we live in today. Thanks for joining us and welcome to the conversation. Caitlin, thanks so much for being with us today on the Young and Adulting podcast. We're so excited to spend a little bit of time with you talking about relationships on season two. So we'd love to hear just a little bit about you. I know you're from Life Church. A few of our team members got to spend some time over there back in the spring. So tell us about you. What do you do at Life Church? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, like you said, my name is Caitlin, and I'm on the next gen team at Life Church. So basically, that means when it comes to kids, students, and parents, basically the families that we get to minister to, what I get to do day in and day out is think about and help shape the way that our church communicates to those different audiences. Um, so the majority of what I do is write content for Switch, which is our student ministry. And a little bit more about me is I moved out here in August of 2020 in the height of the pandemic from the Washington, D.C. area, drastically switched careers and have just been getting to live in just the beautiful truth of God's faithfulness um, and the fact that like his gift and his call on our lives really is irrevocable. <laughs> And that's the very short version of how I got to where I am today. But there you go. That's awesome. Well, I'm so glad you got to where you yeah. got today because we got to hear a really incredible message conversation from you that you shared um, as we spent some time out at Life Church and uh, mm-hmm. just around this idea I took down in my notes the gift of singleness, the idol of marriage, the loss of community, and the rise of loneliness. And these are all very um, impactful statements as we listen yeah. out. And um, I'm just thankful to have been in the room to hear that conversation and now thankful to have you on the call to, um, to just share with our young adults because I think it's such an important conversation that you led us through. So Tell us a little bit about what that message was about and maybe why you're passionate about it. Why is this an important conversation that we should all be having and getting better at? Yeah, that's good. Um, Honestly, that talk was born out of my own story um, because throughout high school and into college, I really struggled with finding good community, with finding friends and relationships that were like pushing me towards Jesus. And I had this super strong desire for those kinds of friends Mm -hmm. and for that kind of community. I really wanted, I think like all of us wanted like a place to belong. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I shared those desires with other people and like spiritual leaders in my life, what I ended up getting told more often than not is that what I was looking for was actually a spouse. (laughs) 
And so because of that, I, I think it actually was harmful for me because instead of focusing on building community, I was evaluating everybody, yeah. specifically every male. Uh, and if they weren't a project for me to fix or a person that I wanted to marry, I was out. And that is how my relationships kind of became all about me. And I totally missed it. And if I'm being completely honest, college is probably the season of my life that I regret the most because I absolutely missed out because I was not set up very well to thrive in biblical community. And so, like you said, the title of that talk is pretty loaded, like the gift of singleness, the idol of marriage, the loss of community and the rise of loneliness. Like those are all loaded statements, but it comes from this progression that I saw in my life that went something like this, which is when we don't set up singleness well, marriage becomes the ideal. And when marriage becomes the ideal, then community is devalued. And when community is devalued, we end up isolated and alone. And that's not how it's supposed to be. Yeah, I think this talk, you just said one of them, but is full of statements that just left myself and a couple of our team members feeling like, man, this is something we need to spend some more time unpacking. And we can go ahead and jump into that first one you mentioned that- Um, you know, community is devalued when marriage is the goal. I had never put that way before. And I think that's such a profound thought. Why don't you walk us through that a little bit? Sure. Um, So I think community ends up being devalued when marriage is the goal. And that is actually a tragedy in the highest regard, because Mm -hmm. the church, like this thing that we are supposed to be, is a community of believers that is bringing heaven to earth. Mm -hmm. But if I start to see the church as the means to the end of finding a spouse, Mm -hmm. then I've completely undermined the purpose that we get to share together. So I think that is part of where that, uh, that piece comes from. Community ends up getting devalued when marriage is the goal because I am misusing what that space is actually designed for. Yeah, that's great. When did you, I love this and, and I'm honestly so thankful for this conversation because I think some we don't always know what to do with this conversation, when to have sure. a conversation, how to approach this conversation. Sure. Um, so like when, when did you start having this conversation or at least articulating some things that you were feeling and was it processing with other people? Like what did that look like to start actually start speaking out about this? You know, I'm, I'm guessing, I mean, maybe not that, you know, a couple months ago, wasn't maybe the first time that you spoke out about it, maybe so. But when, what did that look like to get to that place where you're going like, these are things that I've been navigating, thinking through, processing through what I've seen. Uh, I got to start talking about this. Yeah, I think that's a great question. It kind of started to surface in the context of my life group, which is pretty cool. Um, I get to be in a community group with um, some women who are, some of them are single and some of them are married and we're just all in this, uh, similar season of life, but it is looking different for each of us, depending on where we work, our relationship status, etc. Um, and in the context of this group, 
uh, some of us are, we're feeling some of these tensions and this conversation was stirring and brewing. And that's where a lot of these, I got to initially process some of these thoughts, which I think is just so helpful Mm -hmm. having people on both sides of the coin, so to speak in the same room, but striving for the same goal, which is that our group continues to like grow and deepen in relationship with each other. So it's been a cool conversation to get to have with the girls in my life group over time. That's so great. And I, honestly, that's a really um, refreshing um, truth because like we're a group-based ministry. And like, so that just mm. goes through like the point of like, that's where life transformation is happening. And that's where stuff is being talked about. And and that's the place to have those conversations and hopefully they spill out. So Come thanks on. for sharing that. Yeah, I love that. We say a lot around here that church should be the safest place to have the hardest conversations. So mm. I think a full um, testament to that, yeah. that you know, get in a group, get with some people who are wanting to through these things of life that we really all experience, but maybe aren't talking about. And that's the perfect scenario, the perfect setting to be able to do that. And another thing that you said in your message was that, you know, marriage is not the only relationship that requires radical commitments and vulnerability. So I'd love for you to speak to that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is so true. And I have been learning that in this season of my life more than any other. Mm -hmm. Um, Some verses that come to mind when I was thinking about this talk and the fact that marriage really isn't the only relationship that requires that radical commitment and vulnerability Mm -hmm. is that uh, we are told by Jesus that greater love has no one than this. Then he lay down one's life for his who? His friends. Mm -hmm. And so it's like in that context of community that uh, we get to see what the greatest picture of love really is. Mm -hmm. Uh, We get to confess our sins to one another so that we can be healed. We're called to consider others more significant than ourselves. And we're called to be devoted to one another in love. And so the thing that I think that I'm learning is that biblical community really has nothing to do with Uh, relational convenience or personal preference, but everything to do with radical commitment. And in a time where it's really easy to pick friends based on um, how they meet my personal preferences, like, I like your personality, so we can be friends. Like, that is really not what I'm called to in biblical community at all. Because what Jesus modeled was something very different. It was based a whole lot more on self-sacrifice than satisfying my own desires. Yeah, that's great. This is challenging and this is helpful. We were just talking the other day that like a, a cringy thing that maybe the church or Christians have kind of gotten a bad rap for is this um, moment of like, oh, we should get coffee sometime. And then we never do, you know, like the whole uh, mm there and i'm sure we've all had those moments and no shame if you have but um, it leads me to something else that you shared a statistic that i found to be pretty startling Uh, 63 percent of young adults would say that no one spent more than a few minutes talking to them genuinely about how they're doing um i'd love to hear a little bit about where where you found that and just um unpack it a little bit more yeah, that kind of busted me up. Um, I was doing research in preparation for that that talk that you were talking about in the beginning. And 
what I found in that research was that 61% of young people aged 18 to 25, so really the demographic that we're talking about when it, when it comes to young adults, uh, reported serious feelings of loneliness, uh, said that they felt lonely frequently or almost all the time. And then the one, the, the thing that jumped out at me was half of that group, so half of that 61%, um, actually reported, like you said, that no one in the past few weeks had taken more than just a few minutes to ask how they were doing in a way that made them feel like the person genuinely cared. Wow. Um, I can't imagine going through a day where I felt lonely all day long and like no one genuinely cared enough to ask me how my day was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just breaks my heart that that is a reality for a huge percentage of the population that we get to be in community with and do ministry with. Uh, feels like something's busted. Feels like something's not okay. Yeah. How do we then um, get better at this? What What can we do? Um you know, we say a lot around here as well, like we're ridiculously responsible for ourselves. We're ridiculously in charge of our own lives. Um, so what can we do as people know, knowing that information, knowing that people that are around us are feeling that way? Um, what can we do? What are some practical ways? Yeah, that's really good. Um, I think for me, it starts with um, being curious and dealing with my own stuff so that I can actually be intentional and encouraging in a non-anxious presence in the lives of other people. Um, and to kind of unpack that a little bit, um, I, and especially in the space of this conversation, I think that one of the ways that we can steward this conversation well is not assuming a particular response to a person's season of life. So for example, um, as a married person interacting with a single person, I would just say, don't assume that sympathy is the right response to their singleness. Um, Lead with curiosity, which I think is really a beautiful form of humility. Um, Be willing to ask more questions than you give answers. Um, Ask me what I'm processing in this season of life and how I'm feeling, what what is God teaching me right now? What is he working on in my life? Um, I think questions like that are a really easy, practical way to help each other keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and his nearness to us in every season of life. And then for me as a single person interacting with a married person, I can stop assuming maybe that you don't know what I'm going through or that you can't relate to me in this or that or the other way anymore. Um, the reality of the matter is we still wrestle with a lot of the same things. Mm -hmm. And I know that experientially from being in community with people who are in different seasons of life than me. Um, So yeah, big thing, ask more questions than you give answers and lead with curiosity. And then the other thing that I mentioned is just like dealing with your own stuff, do the work to kill the consumer mentality in yourself because that's really what wrecks relationships. Um, I think the biggest thing for me that I have been noticing recently is that if I am in a relationship with the motive to satisfy my own desires or to be validated by others, 
then what I am actually doing is I am seeing you as an object to be used instead of a person to be loved. Mm -hmm. And I'm just not okay with that. I don't think Jesus is okay with that. Um, So for me, I have had to do a lot of deep internal work to know what my desires actually are and where they're leading me and to know what my insecurities are and where I am vulnerable to the temptation of seeking your validation in real, in, in our relationship. Um, Because I really care and I want to care even more about loving people like Jesus than using them to soothe my own insecurities. Wow. So that's a lot of the work that I've been doing recently. And it's, uh, it's tough, but it's also really life-giving yeah. because honestly, I think that kind of work is the work that every single relationship in our lives will benefit from. Yeah. I have a question, uh, Caitlin, this was kind of going back to something that you were talking about with the statistic that 61% yeah. of young adults have gone through experiences in days where they like, no one's asked me on my day. don't care. Um, yeah. I don't know if we've processed this or at least, I don't know if I have fully, but we'd love to hear your thoughts. How do you think, that the digital age that we live in has shaped that. Do you, you, you're talking about curiosity, which is like, is such an aha moment of like lead with curiosity. Yeah. Do mm. you think that part of our default is that we see people's life on a screen and we're content with a comment or like, or like a, a, you know, an emoji. And so we think we know. So it's like, oh, I mean, I know what you did this weekend or, you know, that's even talking about people who are obviously in our, our bubble sphere but how does that shape like the depth to which we're willing to go in person? If even our close relationships were like, Oh yeah, like I, I know where you ate this weekend. Cause yeah. I saw it. So I don't really need to ask you about it. You know what I mean? Like sure. That has affected like the depth of relationships or even our willingness to be curious. Cause we're like, maybe we think we know, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a great insight. I think that asking good questions is legitimately an art form. <laughs> And it is one that I am super duper passionate about as a content creator. I want to be to learn how to ask the kind of questions that invoke conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard. Like it's a skill that has to be developed yeah. because like you said, most of us are uh, a whole lot better at implicit communication than we are at explicit communication. And I think that that is another piece that has to play in this conversation, because in most of our churches, we are really, really explicit about marriage, how Mm. great it is, how to have a God honoring marriage and on and on and on about marriage. But we're not typically as explicit about singleness, Mm. what it is, how great it is, how to honor God in that space except by not having sex. We're pretty explicit about that. Um, And I, and this is a generalized statement and I know it isn't the case for everyone, but what I do know is that in communication, what we say and what we choose not to say both communicate something about what we value. Um, And, and so that just ties back into, to what you're saying. Like, are we content to just like, tap on the screen or keep scrolling and store that information and implicitly what we are communicating is that we don't really care we don't i don't i don't actually care because i'll just keep scrolling Mm -hmm. um so i don't know i think the church 
uh, I, I really care about this conversation because what I would hate is for the church to unintentionally devalue things that are really important by not being explicit and instead letting the implicit communication speak so loudly. Yeah, that's a great reminder. And um, something you said just really intrigued me that asking good questions is an art form. I think I aspire to be probably as good as you are at asking good questions that um, start and keep and have great conversations. So what have you done to get better at that? Help us, give us your secrets. That's really good. Um, Honestly, I start, for me, a lot of the journey, as I kind of already talked about, starts with being willing to ask myself really hard questions Mm -hmm. and like go there in those within those places in myself um, because I can't lead someone somewhere I'm unwilling to go right um so I ask myself a lot of really hard vulnerable uh questions on a daily basis in my journal uh two of those questions are god what desires in me do you want to reorder And that can get really messy. I'm going to be completely honest because I have some whacked up stuff in here (laughs) and just bringing that out and letting God go. No, this should be here and that should be here. And actually that shouldn't even be in here at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, And letting him show me and do that work in me on a daily basis has been very powerful. And then the other one is what longings do you want to satisfy? And that is a question that helps me just reorient where I am uh, looking for satisfaction in a day-to-day, on a day-to-day basis. Am I looking for it in said relationship or said person or my job or whatever? Or am I looking for it in the source, which is Jesus? Yeah. So those are a couple of things. I I know I didn't really divulge all my secrets, but but honestly, it just starts with asking myself a lot of really hard questions. That's great. That's great. And, you know, since kind of we started talking about like the gift of singleness, I think that's sometimes like the topic that we, we, you know, it's like the Christmas gift, right? That you're like, your grandma got you and you open it and you're like, it's a great gift. You know, it feels like sometimes (laughs) the church we teach on it. It's like, right. For gift. And, you know, can you maybe speak into that from your perspective, the things that Jesus has been teaching you that there's a young adult on the other side who's like, this is not a gift. You know, yeah. this is the, I, I want to send this back. <laughs> How can you like lean into that and, and just speak and like speak life over that person who's in that space from your vantage point and from your yeah. experience and things that God's been teaching you about the gift of singleness? Yeah, that's great. Um, I think For me, the summary statement of, for me, what the gift of singleness is, is it has so much less to do with my personal autonomy and so much more with my ability to be fully devoted to a community. Mm -hmm. Um, And that would be my community with God and my community with other people. And I think a lot of times the gift of singleness is represented as, hey, you're you're free to do whatever you want. Like you've got no one tying you down or holding you back or whatever. And while that may be sort of true, I think that still like really misses the point because then it still is all about me. It's still all about me. And I'm not actually like leaning into what God might want to do in that season when it's all about me and what I'm free to do because I'm so independent. Um, 
So instead of, you know, this definite, this cultural definition of freedom where I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, whoever I want, uh, it is much more about a biblical definition of freedom is, is like, I am free, but I'm free for like, there's an intentional direction to apply my freedom. And so the gift of singleness. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Can like, can you go further with that? Like, yeah before like directionally because i think that helps give new intent to someone in that season like new mission like like a new mission for life new eyes to see what's before them you know right yeah and i would say again for me based on what i have been learning is that the direction and intention of that freedom of singleness is to show is to like have this space where you get to learn what it looks like to be fully devoted to community, Mm -hmm. to cultivate that community. And uh, yeah, for me, it wasn't until I was able to step outside of that mentality that I talked about in the beginning where I'm evaluating everybody because clearly marriage is the goal. (laughs) That's what's been communicated to me. Marriage is the goal. So I'm evaluating everybody. And if they're not a project for me to fix or a person I want to marry, then I'm out. But that is not the mentality that we get to have or that we're called to have when it comes to stewarding this season. And it was when I had the realization reading Acts 2. So Acts 2 describes like the early church. And it's this community of believers who are all in completely different seasons and stages of life. Mm-hmm. And they come together in such a way that is the reason why you and I are sitting here talking about Jesus right now. Yeah. And like that passage has always inspired me so incredibly much. But the thing that has just jumped out at me in the past few months more than ever before is this whole idea that that section starts off with the words um like everyone was devoted to the apostles teaching and to the prayer and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and all this stuff they were devoted Mm -hmm. to these things and to each other and then the very next verse says in a great sense of all came over them all Mm. and what just hits me about that is devotion always comes before emotion And I think for so much of my life, I wanted the emotion to come before the devotion. Mm. I wanted to feel like I had a place to belong and settled and like these people care about me and they're for me and whatever. And I don't think that's wrong desire at all. But if I'm pursuing those things out of order, that's where I have the problem. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of what I've been learning. Yeah, that's so great. And I think so important for any season of life that you may be in, right? Like single, dating, engaged, married, like these things are so important um, to have in the right order, like you said. And you have just shared so much wisdom and so much um, to me challenge, but in such a loving and, and passionate way that I feel like anyone listening to this conversation is just going to walk away and want to be better and, and want to mm-hmm. be um, encouraging to others and want to, you know, check their, their priorities and get some of this stuff right. So thank you for being honest yeah. and for being vulnerable yeah. and um, just sharing this in a way that's calling us all up and just um, walking us through some of the things that you've been 
learning. And before we let you go, we wanted to ask you the final question that we've been asking everyone on season two of Young and Adulting. And that is, you've already shared so much great relationship <laughs> advice, but what would you say is the best relationship advice that you have ever been given? Yeah, I think I could summarize a whole lot of what I've said with this piece of relationship advice that has come from multiple different sources and just been confirmed again and again and again and again. And it really boils down to do the work on yourself and all of your relationships will reap the benefits. That's great. That's That's great. really it. (laughs) Man, this has been awesome, Caitlin. Thank you so much. And um we just love that we get to have this connection with you over in Oklahoma at Life Church. This has been so cool. We've done a Zoom interview yeah. on young and adulting before. So thanks for being the first and hey. hopefully not the last. So um, thank you so much. And thank you to everyone listening or watching. We love you and we will see you next week for another episode. See you guys. Bye, everyone. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Young and Adulting. Follow us on Instagram at cf.youngadults. And if there's a topic you'd like to talk about, we want to hear about it. Send us an email or leave a comment with your thoughts. We'll see you next time.